Welcome to the D-Shift Podcast, where we provide inspiration, motivation, and education to help you transition from the challenges of divorce to discover the freedom and ability to live life on your own terms. Are you ready? Let's get this shift started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the D-Shift Podcast. And as part of the upcoming series for the holidays, I have a special guest today who is going to provide some amazing insight for people who are parenting because the holidays are a great time of year, but sometimes they can be a little stressful as a parent. So I have Dr. Unati Jane, and I am so excited to have her. She is a TEDx speaker, a certified youth behavior change expert, an author, an amazing coach, and just a phenomenal person. So, uh, Unadi, welcome to the D-Shift podcast. Thank you so much, Marty, for having me. It's such a joy to be here. I'm so glad we connected and we're talking about the similar issues. I am. We, and we've had a couple of conversations, and I always think that makes these podcasts a little bit easier to do because we both know each other and and yes. I've listened to your TEDx talk and I'm going to I know you probably won't do it but I'm going to do it I'm going to put a plug in to go listen to this yes. TEDx talk so I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit could you talk a little bit about that and tell us what got you here why is this your area of passion I think we all create our passion through our personal journeys something triggers it and that's the direction we take so yes, um, my son is now 19 years old and my journey started with him when he was seven years old. And that's what really got me into uh, studying youth behavioral patterns. As he was growing up and becoming a teen, I realized that I need to um, understand his behaviors better. So I wanted to break this cliche of teen years are tough. They don't need to be tough if we move from control to connection. And we'll continue to talk about the TEDx talk in a little bit as you... Um, as we get into the interview. So that was my driving factor. And so you made this a real area of focus in your studies. You pursued your doctorate in um, mm-hmm. in this kind of change. Where did you come up with the, I'm going to say the initiative to go to the, the doctorate level with this? Because a lot of people don't pursue that formal education. So I'm I'm really fascinated with that. Tell me a little bit about that. So I think um, we all have opinions, but when the opinions are research-based, they have a different impact. And when I I decided to study Generation Z in particular, because at that point in time, my son was a Generation Z, and I truly believe that Gen Z is a completely different generation compared to the millennials and the Gen X and the baby boomers and everything. This is a completely new generation. Um, And I really wanted to get into the deep behavioral patterns or why they behave the way they behave. Because as you probably see my website, my tagline is bridging generations. And we strongly believe that behind every action, there is an emotion. And the reason I pursued my doctorate was getting deep into that research to understand behavioral patterns. So we can guide youth in the way that can bring out their maximum potential instead of putting it under the carpet and saying, they're teens, they're behaving in a particular way. Yes. And they can't do better. So I think breaking that cliche, breaking that barrier of putting teens in a box and not um, looking at the deep 
root of the issue for instance if a child is un- if a teenager is unable to get out of bed in the morning and unable to go to school is it because the teen is being defiant or is it really because the teen does not like school he, hates, he or she hates high school high school is tough they're having body image issues they're getting into anxiety they don't want to go in front of people so what is the action behind that emotion and that's the reason i really got into studying behavioral patterns and i strongly believe mari that during these 6 to 7 formative years from 12 to 18 19 are the foundational years of teens of children and while they're extremely tough as their hormones are moving around this is also the time when you can create the deepest impact in a child's life and create um uh create those changes that will be there and will resonate with them for the rest of their life. Yes, and thank you for saying that. Um I I was very fortunate and I know we talked about this a little bit before but back when I was a teacher I was actually able to participate in um positive behavior management systems which really did the functional assessment and looked at that root cause and then looked at alternative patterns to get kids what they were trying to get in a more positive way. So I this really this topic really resonates with me. When I grew up and I I grew up in that, in that generation when you were you still kind of did what your parents said because they were your parents and um my parents I think we had a very loving relationship. I I know I was a difficult teen. I know I didn't always see I don't I with my parents, but I certainly never saw my parents as my enemy, which I hear more often now when i talk to people in their 20s or people in their 30s that say you know we don't even talk to our parents anymore yeah. that's not that wasn't typical when i grew up so is that the shift that you're talking about seeing then yeah. yes that's a generational shift that's the behavioral change that i'm talking about the way we were raised we were okay with being told what to do but the generation that's now come in is a couple uh, they are coupled with creating wanting to create a social impact they also have their own views and uh, views and they want to be heard right. so if they're not heard the more they are uh uh bred with control the more they're going away from their parents and that's the uh, generation that i'm trying to bridge that's exactly why i say i'm here to bridge generations it's no longer do as i say don't do as i do this line doesn't work just yesterday i had a parent who, who was in my coaching session and i asked them and their child is about 10 years old and they said the child is extremely defiant and when the child asks me a question they keep asking when i tell them to do something they keep asking me why over and over and over again and i said what's your answer they said oh well because i said so Yeah, that because I said so doesn't work and that's exactly why your child is being defiant. Because this generation needs a reasoning. And and it doesn't take that much more time to actually sit down and have that productive discussion than just repeat because I said so 15 times. You could have had a really legitimate authentic conversation that helps the child understand that you're not just asking them to do random things to inconvenience their life like they often think that's what we're doing right 
Yep, I I totally agree with you, and that takes me back. I'm holding another workshop with another colleague who's uh, on conscious parenting. Is how do you become a conscious parent? It's extremely important to take your own journey, to go deep within yourself to understand your child, because maybe you're coming from a place where you were told, "Do as I say, don't do as I do," and you think that's the correct parenting style because you're telling yourself, "I turned out to be fine." So why is it that I can't use the same parenting style with with my child? Well, you can't because your child is not you, and it's they're coming just... with their own boilerplate. Yes, and and as much as we want to see our kids as little copies of ourselves, they're not. They're very unique individuals. How? What do you say to parents who use that strategy? And I'm I'm going to say. I'm going to call it an excuse because I do think it's an excuse, and I'm sorry if I'm offending anybody. But if you're being offended, maybe there's a reason this is triggering you.、Um, what What do you say to parents who say, "Well, it was it was good enough for me," just like you said, or you know,、um, because that's the way that I was raised, and I don't know anything different. What do you, What do you say to parents who use that as an excuse for continuing on with with what they're doing? Well, I'll call them out on their control, and I'll call them on their out on their belief systems. And there are some parents who really don't like it, but I I always tell them I said that's what you pay me for. I said I'm not here to agree with you. So I always ask them to identify their belief systems, and that's when they come out and say what is it that did not resonate with them, but they still did it because they didn't have a choice. But the impact that it had on them. So once you develop that comfortable relationship, then they're okay with coming out and saying that I agree that I did what I did because my parents said so, but it did have a deep impact on me. Right. And this is the negative impact that it had on it. So once they recognize that negative impact, then they're willing to create the change. But it's it's to get them to a point of agreeing with the negative impact that that particular strategy had. And what do you see?、Um... About the impact of social media, and and you know, I heard you say that kids want to have, they want to make a social impact on the world. It does, because there's a lot of negative stuff about social media. I mean, there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, right? So everything, it, it's what you what you make of it. But how do you see this playing into that maybe increased level of independence or that need for a reason behind, you know, when kids are being. Difficult or challenging or rebellious or whatever parents want to call it. I think social impact and social media are two completely different things, right? I, when I say social impact, I have seen children who are now teenagers going into internships. Let's say college students. They let's say they don't believe they believe in、uh, being a demo,、uh, being agreeing with the democratic values and not with the republican values. They will not go. And work for a Republican organization, even if it pays them more, because they feel they're not making a difference in the society. Okay, they will not go and work for a company who is not supporting climate change. Hypothetically, right? So this is what I mean by social impact. As far as social media is concerned, social media has a negative effect and it's positive effect, and it's very important to teach our youngsters on the how to manage social media and believe. Me, they're very good at it. 
I have youth working for me. I have all my interns are all youth. They're all college going students, starting from 16 years of age right up to 20 years of age. They're all college students. And I can't even begin to tell you before I say something, they have done it. They are so good at it, whether that's create polls, whether that's going out and, uh, you know, uh, creating social media posts or going and seeing what the competitors are doing. They are very, very good at it and they're utilizing it very well. Now, it really depends on parents how we are teaching them boundaries and how are we teaching them, how are we negotiating with them on the use of social media. Right. So uh, it really depends. I mean, they are going to at some point in time, let's say up until my research says up until they reach 16, 17, they are stuck to it. But that's when they become more so that's where the boundaries are needed up until 16, 17. But after 17, the boundaries start to fade away because at 17, they've kind of grown a little bit independent. By 17 and a half, they're not going to follow your boundaries. But you have to make them aware enough to help them create their own boundaries. So let, let's talk about that because I can already hear parents that I've worked with in the past <laughs> In my head going, well, what do you mean just, you know, sit down and have these nice conversations with your kids and explain why they need to mop the kitchen floor or whatever the task may be? What, how does that, where, where does discipline fit in and where do those boundaries fit in? And how did, how does all of that come about with also, um, you know, moving from that control to being collaborative within the family? So I think boundaries and consequences is the entire teenage year, starting from 12 or 11, pre-tween, right up until, I would say, 17 and a half. If you have boundaries and consequences and create boundaries with involvement from your teen, there is a stronger chance that the boundaries will be followed. And if the boundaries are not followed, then we have to have consequences. But at the same time, again, let me quote a parent. Yesterday, I was speaking to a parent and they said, I give excessive gifts to my child. I said, why? He says, well, because I want them to have the best. So even when the child commits a mistake, the parent is going and giving a gift to the child. So that's really breaking boundaries and not creating consequences. So it's very important for parents to take their own journey and identify why they're not falling through a consequence if they're not following through a consequence. Is it because they are trying to satisfy their own ego? Right. Because if they are, then it's damaging the child and the child is not going to listen because you didn't follow through the, the consequence. Right. That's one. Two, boundaries continuously need to evolve and change. With every age, the boundaries need to change and become negotiable. Because what worked at 14 is not going to work at 15, not going to work at 16, not going to work at 17. Right. So we have to be very careful. But your entire teenagers, if you don't have boundaries and consequences, the journey is going to be very tough for you and your child. Why? Because your teen does not have the power to comprehend their own emotions or to follow structure on their own. Their brain is just not that developed. So for us to ensure that the child is kept safe, is doing the academics well, is becoming an all-rounder and doing everything that a parent desires or the child desires, then we need to have give them a structure and we need to follow that structure because they're depending on you to follow the structure, to create that structure for them. 
And I think you're right. Kids really, kids thrive. And I'm going to say younger kids and the teenagers thrive when they have a vested sense that they have some control, reasonable control, age appropriate control. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with sitting down with your 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old and negotiating boundaries around bedtime or how much, you know, when you have to be home or what you can do after school and, you know, all those kind of things. It's, it's like, I'm a mediator, right? When both parties buy into the mediated agreement, there's less chance that either party's going to break that agreement. So Correct. why not just do that with your kids as well? I love that idea. Yeah. And that's when I, I think that's where the problem is, right? We as parents need to come down from our parent pedestal and treat them as individuals and not treat them as um, an offshoot of you. They're individuals. They're other human beings. So if we learn to respect them for who they are, and I don't care what age they're at, they could be a 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever the age they're, but they're still individuals. So we cannot disrespect an individual, whether that's a child or an adult. So if you were to sit across the table and have the same conversation with them, the response you will get will be completely different than saying, you need to do this. Right. Right. And then, of course, you can say you need to do this once the boundary has been established and you've mediated them and you're a mediator. You know that better than I do that mediation works. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And, right? and, and here's what I'm hearing you say is that if you start this when they're even six, seven, eight, nine, before they yeah, even absolutely. get to the teens, it's absolutely. already in place. They've got that understanding that you're going to have these conversations and the night. But but let's let's. Let me play devil's advocate here for a second. What if you have had a very controlling relationship and now your child is 15, 16, let's, let's not go 17, let's go 14, 15, 16, and all of a sudden you sit down at the table and try to have one of these um, reasonable conversations. Is, your, is a child, a teen, likely to accept, okay, mom and dad has made a change, or does the teen kind of push back even with that conversation because of the past behavior of the parents? Well, as, as every human being, initially, it's going to take time to build trust. Because sure. they don't know whether the parent is going to go back to their old behavior or not. So it is going to take time for them to build that trust again. And so the first time around, you may get a defiant or a nonchalant attitude or like whatever attitude, like typical rolling eyes, <laughs> and you you can't react to that. Right. And you have to give them time to process that you are changing. If you're changing slowly, then you got to give them time to change slowly too. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I think that's the key is I really like the idea that of the parents doing their own inner work and getting oh, themselves yeah. really clear on this. Um, what a fantastic gift, though, to give a family uh, your services to be able to help parents to negotiate that. So that is... Absolutely. I, I, I think... Marty, more than anybody else, I think more and more I'm seeing in my coaching, of course, I support youth between 12 to 26 and give them, um, I mean, work on 52 different concepts and give them coaching. But beyond that, I'm seeing more and more parents come to me, even of nine, 10 year olds, because they haven't taken their inner journey. Um, so they're not able to come from a place of non-judgment non-comparison i mean can you imagine somebody turning around and you you're you're telling around and ch telling your child that look at the neighbor's child 
They're so good in academics. Why can't you be like, like that? Imagine if your child turned around and said, look at the neighbor's mother. <laughs> She's so good. Why can't you be like her? Oh, you're going to flip it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we get this this sense that as parents we're supposed to be this the control the the disciplinary and yes you need to have discipline you're not Unati, you're not suggesting that oh just go you know everything's laissez faire do what you want that is not what you are saying you're saying you tell me what you're no, saying no. so that i don't misplace I'm what saying you're saying that no i'm actually saying that absolutely you need a structure you need discipline you need um you uh, you need um, boundaries, you need consequences. Those are essential for a teen's growth because they are not able to do it. But what you don't need is an ego. You don't need to treat them. Um, you, you don't need an authoritarian parent, parenting style yeah. where you're not able to have conversations. And that's really what my TED Talk is about, Marie. If I may just give, just give a brief opening to my TED Talk. My TED Talk is all about moving from control to connection. As parents, we think we can control a child's life. We don't, we, we don't need to control the child's life. We need to connect with the child so that the child can control their own life. What do I mean by that? To move from control to connection, we need to do a few things. We need to not compare our child, children. We, not, we don't need to judge our children. We need to allow them to bloom and make the maximum use of their own strengths and growth areas. And only when we are able to look at them as individuals and give them choices and come from a place of non-judgment and create space for, for um, healthy conversations and not... Uh, monologues yeah only then can we connect deeply with our child because guess what to every parent who's listening it i'm really passionate about this so i'm gonna say this to every parent who's listening to this if you can connect with your child between the ages of 12 to 18 which is the toughest time in a child's life you ensure that the child is connected with you for the rest of your life I love that. And that is such a powerful message. And because sometimes I hear parents say, well, you know, they're 14, 15, 16. It's too late. It's not too late. It's never too late to start this. And um, your message is just so powerful and so positive. And it, it, it really makes my heart feel good just to listen to you oh, speak. You. And I'm going to say this. Um, I think, Unati, your, your, um, your TED talk is like 11 minutes. It's, it's not, it's not, yeah, some of the right. TED talks are longer, but your TEDx talk is amazing. Go find it. It's on YouTube. It's the best 11 minutes of your life. If you want to just think about, reflect on, if you do find yourself getting into a bit of a bind with your kids, it's, it's a, it's just a refreshing way to take a look at things. Now, we're almost out of time, so I want to make sure I don't forget to get this in. What do you think is the most important thing out of all the things we've talked about? And I know we just wound up with your fantastic TED Talk um, concept, but what do you think is the most important thing that people you would like people to remember when they get off this podcast today? Behind every action, there is an emotion. If your child, if your teen is behaving in a particular way, don't attribute it to hormones. 
all the time. Take the time to spend with the child, to create a safe space, to understand what's going on in their mind. So you can break down the emotion with them. Once you break down the emotion with them, their action will change. Yes, absolutely. Anunati, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, work with you, find out more about you, what's the best way to reach you? So I, um, I have a website which details all of my offerings. That's com. It's also behind on my uh, Zoom background. You can also get in touch with me by uh, my handle in, across all of my social media is at dr.unatijane. So you can type dr.unatijane and it will connect you to all of my social media and LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And I really encourage you to do so um, just for great resources, ideas, quick little tips and things about parenting that are really positive. So thank you so much for being on the D-Shift. And I want to thank everybody for listening in. I hope you have found this as useful and reflective and just inspiring uh, because you're doing an important job as a parent and we want you to do the very best. I look forward to hearing you or seeing you or having you listen in to the next episode of the D-Shift Podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting the D-Shift Podcast. If you would like to attend live trainings by our amazing guests and have a chance to ask questions and get answers from our experts, join the D-Shift crew. For more details and to sign up, head on over to www.divorcecoachforwomen and click on the podcast page.